What's up, everybody? It's Lou DiPietro from The Chris Sheeran Show. As we were taping the latest edition of The Chris Sheeran Show, Chris and I learned that Yankees first baseman Greg Bird will be out for the entirety of the 2016 season. He's going to undergo surgery to repair a labrum tear in his shoulder. Uh, Definitely a big blow for the Yankees, and we unfortunately did not get the news in time to add it into this edition of the podcast, but we'll have a full analysis and breakdown of what this means for Bird and the Yankees and everything else going forward uh, later this week on The Chris Sheeran Show. Until then, enjoy this episode. is the Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hey everybody, welcome to another Chris Sheeran Show here on YesNetwork.com and the at iTunes podcast on the Twitter. Speaking of the Twitter, it's at Lou DiPietro, yes, you know this already, and at Chris Sheeran, yes, but I say it every week because it's what I do. And if you download it for free, your smart device makes you very intelligent. There you go. Hey Matt, that's for you. Matt, the big net fan that uh, sent us the Ashy Larry picture on, the, on Twitter <laughs> to see if we had any more of those episodes left. So Matt, We did. We were just kayfabing you a little bit because yeah. we're taping a little later than usual today. That's all. Yeah. Uh, Matt, so you ask and you receive, buddy. Here you go. And we'll start with your beloved basketball team, the Brooklyn Nets. And first thing I want to do before I – you know, you could sit here. There's not really much good you could talk about the Nets. I saw someone get at Michael K on Twitter – and say that you and Don never talk about the Nets, blah, 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 blah. And Michael basically said, what am I supposed to talk about? It would all be bad. And while he's right, they should make an effort. I mean, they could bring Devin Carpertian onto their show, and it would be a tremendous 20-minute segment on the Nets. Yeah, it would be. He, he brings it to the table, uh, thebrooklyngame.com, by the way. Uh, if Michael really wanted to do that and talk Nets, that would be the way to do it. Bring Devin on, and Devin is brutally honest as well. He's not going to sugarcoat anything. Read his stuff. You will know what I'm talking about. It would about. certainly help out Yes Network as well because we would get some serious web traffic from people yes. going to Devin's Devin, work. Devin is not the um, – what's that? Sh- frosted shredded wheats? Frosted mini wheats? Frosted mini wheats. Devin is not the side with the sugar on it. Devin he's, is the side without the sugar. He's the wheat side. Yeah, he is the wheat side, and he tells it like it is. So if Michael wanted to do something on the Nets, I would advise him to bring Devin on the show. But, Matt, since you requested us to be here, which we were going to be anyway, uh, we'll talk about the Nets first. And I, I did the Dallas game in studio Friday night. I was also here for the back-to-back in New Orleans on Saturday. Now, look. It's not that the Nets ever have a lack of effort unless you're talking about when they play the San Antonio Spurs because both of those games, they pretty much threw their arms up and they gave up. Those two games have been the end and the Jazz game too. That was an abomination in Brooklyn when they, when they got drilled by the Jazz. And they were winning that game in the third quarter. Yeah. But having said that, you know, off the top of my head, and there's probably a couple more in the equation, but those three games are the ones that really – just spring out and say they gave up. I don't think there's a lot of quit in this team. I think when Brooke Lopez says over and over and over again in the locker room, the culture is different in the locker room and the guys are all together on the same page, that's all well and good. But this needs to be said. They don't have the talent. Oh, God, no. 
They just don't have the talent. When your bench goes into Dallas, and this is a team, a Dallas team, without Darren Williams that came into Brooklyn, and they took him to overtime and lost by a single solitary point. And if it wasn't for J.J. Barea going off and having 32. He had a career high in the third quarter. He had a career high in the third quarter for crying out loud. That guy, something, I don't know what Mark Cuban fed him, but whatever he did feed him, it worked. They beat him 119-118 in that game. They go to Dallas. The starters, all, off the top of my head, I'm trying to see the box score, the final box score. I know for a fact three or four of the starters, and I'm talking Joe Johnson, Brooke Lopez, Thad Young, and maybe even Donald Sloan. It was Sloan and Ellington were the other two. Played 35 minutes or more. All, all four of them. All five of them did. And do you know why? Because they were the only ones scoring. Tony Brown had no other choice but to stick with his starters. The bench had two freaking points. They were one for 14 collectively from the field. Those two points came late in the fourth quarter from Andrea Bargnani. That cannot happen. And they only lost the game by 12. They lost the game by a dozen points. 91-79. 91-79. They lost by 12 freaking points. And the bench just scored two. And listen, before you say anything, Lou, let me just wax poetic a little bit about Brooke Lopez. But not only has it been this year that I think he's grown astronomically, there's still some times where, you know, I see him t- lining up a 20-foot jumper, which he'll make. But I'll scream in my office chair, no, what are you do-? Okay, he made it. Like my head coach, Reggie Christmas, on my JV team. I would hear him screaming as soon as I let a three go. I would hear him screaming, get him out, get him out, get him out. And as soon as it went down, never mind, never mind, never mind. And I would stay in the game. I mean, it's the same kind of thing I do with Brooke. But here's the thing with him. Give me a consistent outside shooter on this Brooklyn team. I'm not saying a guy that has 19 here or 22 there sporadically. I'm saying give me the best outside shooter consistently on the Brooklyn Nets. You know who it is? It's your seven-foot freaking center. That can't happen. Because when Brooke is out 20 feet, no one over seven feet tall or seven feet tall is in the paint. And that's why that can't work. And when Brooke, now Brooke has put on a clinic his last two games, the one in Dallas and the one in New Orleans. Brooke was a man possessed. I don't know if he was snubbed from the All-Star game. He's the Eastern Conference leading scorer as a center. He's not in the All-Star game, which I think is a snub, and you could disagree with me all you want, and I know how it's broken up into front court and back court players now, and Brooke, in that disparity, does not really fit into that you know athletic kind of swingman type that are in the front court now. You're not seeing a lot of centers in this game, and the centers you are seeing, like Andre Drummond, True center, but even he is a hybrid too. Yeah, and dude's averaging ridiculous numbers. Right, and, so and, and a guy here. like Chris Bosch, who was a center with Toronto, he, he's not a center now. He's more like a stretch four. Right, almost you got Whiteside. You got Whiteside down yeah. there playing the five. So here's my thing with Brooke. He's and Mike Fratello was waxing poetic too. So don't think it's just me. And coach is not going to say something if he mm-hmm. doesn't have his whole heart and soul behind it. And he made this one move in, I think it was in Dallas. He started at the top of the circle, uh, foul line extended, and put the ball on the floor two times, went to his right, and then came back to his left, spun, and laid it in with his left. This is a seven-footer doing that. But that's what Brooke needs to do more often. This guy 
is a dynamic player. He's a dynamic offensive player. But, Lou, he's got to reside more in, down on the blocks, doing his post moves, getting to the free throw line. And when he's next to the rim, for the love of God, he still does it. He's getting better at it. He threw a couple monster dunks down against the Pelicans. But against the Mavericks, he did settle for a weak layup. He went to the free throw line, missed one of the foul shots. He needs to start realizing he's seven feet tall. He did some of it in the Pelicans game, but in the Dallas game, you saw it a couple times like, Brooke, what are you doing? Throw it down. Use your height. Use your strength. And, you know, sometimes I think it gets in there. And don't sit there for a second and don't think he wasn't snubbed for this All-Star game, and that hasn't spurred him along to his past couple of games. This guy is offensively dynamic. You could poo-poo it all you want. You could sit there listening to this podcast saying, I'm full of beans. Or whatever you want to say, whatever the kids are saying these days. I don't believe I just said full of beans. But Brooke Lopez, and you know what? If the Nets want to get a draft pick back, that's a guy you could trade and get a draft pick back for. But you have to do it now. You have to strike while the iron is hot. And you have to roll the dice. If if you're going towards the future and you're starting over, you're hitting the reset button. If Brooke was on a contender, Lou, my goodness, would he fit a a piece? Even coming off the bench, he doesn't have to start. He, just a tremendous player. I can't – and you know what? Everybody else who doesn't know it, going into the locker room after the game, I said it before and I'll say it again, he's the first guy sitting in front of his locker after every freaking loss. This team has won 12 games this year. That's a lot of losses where he's sitting there front and center before he showers to make sure people get what they need in the media. That, to me, is even more, or it's on the same par as what he does on the floor. Leadership on and off. All over the place. So I have nothing but good things to say about that guy. You know, the NBA may be the one league that could benefit from the having every team have an all-star because guys get snubbed for whatever reason. Brooke Lopez not being in the all-star game, being one of them. Boyan Bogdanovich is in the Rising Stars game, but Boyan Bogdanovich is, is the symptom... The symptom of the problem and the problem itself when you talk about the Brooke Lopez offensive situation. Consistency. Right. The reason Brooke Lopez is your most consistent outside shooter is because the guys that have been brought in to be those outside shooters are not consistent. No. Wayne Ellington was brought in to be that that bench 3 and D kind of guy. He had two games so far. The one against the Heat down yep. there and the Pelicans game. Yep. That's it. And he's now starting because Rondé Hollis Jefferson is out. So he's in a different role. So Bogdanovich is full-time with the second unit. But he's not doing anything there. So those are the two guys that are supposed to be your your outside shooters. And I mean, you know, we looking back at it, um, I believe it was like two and a half minutes left in the third quarter before the Nets had five guys on the scoreboard. Yeah, there was only four only four players had scored. You know, midway two thirds of the way through the third quarter, and Bar- like you said. Bargnani's two points, the only points from the bench, came in the fourth quarter. I brought that When up. the bench was in. Right. I brought that up at halftime. I said, you know, it's not pictured on our halftime stats graphic, but something you have to keep your eye on is the Nets have no points from their bench right yeah. now. None. Zip. Zilch. Niente. Nada. And, and that remained the same for 45 minutes. And the sad part is, is that bench played 52, 53 minutes in that game. You said it. One for 14, two points, 11 rebounds. Six fouls, and that would be an that would be like an awful night for Reggie Evans. And put let yes, alone the entirety yes, of the bench. Right, that oh my god, nail on the head. And put yourself in Tony Brown's shoes. Okay, you have a back to back. It's a mm-hmm. Friday night of a back to back Friday and Saturday. Your bench isn't scoring. You have to rest your starters because they have to play the next night. 
what the hell is he going to do? Just give up in this, you know, at the beginning of the third quarter? Yeah. He, he can't do that. He, you have to compete. And that's another thing I, I left out about Brooke, by the way. 37 minutes Friday night, 37 minutes Saturday night. And that guy brought it in both games. Three quarters of both games. Now's the time to do Mikhail it. Mikhail Prokhorov. Get this guy some help. I don't care how you do it. I don't care what you have to promise Kevin Durant or any big-name free agent in the offseason. I want to see Brooke Lopez succeed. I want to see him go deep in the playoffs. This is a guy that deserves it. This is a guy that's had eight coaches in eight years. Eight coaches in eight years. How the hell are you supposed to grow as a player, especially going from a rookie to a second year, when you don't have any consistency in the coaching department? His career is going to be better remembered as the David Lee of the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. You know, uh, when, David Lee, when David Lee was the, the star of the Knicks in the down years, you know, the last decade. He was the diamond in a rough. Yeah. And, he was the silver lining. And right. That's going to be remembered more than his positive contributions because he was hurt a lot on the winning teams, as we know. But not only that, it's going to be a look back and go, wow, imagine what could have been if he was with a coach that stayed for more than two years. Like, you look, you're going to look back on it. And, and, you know, we've talked about this ad nauseum, and Devin's talked about it coming on. And, and, you know, we've both mentioned that part of the reason why Billy King is now in an unassigned role in the, you know, Parts unknown typewriter room that Lawrence Frank was sent to is 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 was Thomas Robinson and Shane Larkin yeah and Shane and Larkin, Shane Larkin's invisible Thomas Robinson the only reason you notice Thomas Robinson's invisible is because he's standing next to invisible Shane Larkin he, he and look, Bargnani is done he, he he took a gamble he rolled the dice yep. on Larkin and Bargnani they stunk with the Knicks last year and you know Larkin has flashes too but. He's like the last guy off the bench. Yeah. And, and he's your first guy, first point guard off he's the He's been bench. passed on the depth chart by Donald Sloan. Yes. Since Jared Jack's injury. And, right. you know, we, we get the stats and everything from our research gurus here. And the Nets, you know, it's probably in your email box now if you haven't looked at it. The Nets stats since Jarrett Jack went out. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen I it. I mean, yeah. it's they were a bad team that got even worse. And it's it's not getting any better anytime soon. Yeah, two and 12, I think, record-wise. Yeah, they're, they're on scoring pace. Scoring 91 points, which is the worst in the league. They're on pace to win 21 games at this point. At 12 and 36, their pace is 20 and 60 through 80 games. So even if you give them the one win out of every four games in one of those last two, it's a 21-win team. You know year. what's funny? I looked at the January calendar, the January schedule in late December, and I said to myself, I don't see them really winning a game. And I wasn't too far off. They won three. They won three. Yeah. They won that January 2nd game in Boston. Yep. When Jarrett Jack was hurt, they, they held on to win that mm-hmm. one up there. After, after that was the, either the first of two or second of two against Boston, where the second one they got clobbered. Mm-hmm. So right. figure that out. They beat the Knicks. The Knicks were without Carmelo. They were yeah. back-to-back. It was their second of a back-to-back. Not that, hey, win is a win. But I'm just telling you the facts. The facts don't lie. Uh, and then their third win, who did they get? It was the Knicks, it was the Celtics, and now it's escaping me. Did they play the 76ers in January again? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll find it out. But, no, while, it, but while, I, while I figure it out, let me just say this. Uh, when you have a good team, when you have guys that could shoot on the perimeter, I don't get into the minutiae 
of basketball, okay? I'm not like a student of the game. I'm not an Adrian Wojnarowski. I'm not some of these guys I see on Twitter breaking down like the smallest thing in games and, and the triangle offense and trying to understand all that stuff. I, I just, listen, to be completely honest, I played my entire life. I, I get most of it. I know what a pick and pop is. I know what a pick and roll is. But when it comes to the well, minutia. The thunder. How did we forget that? They beat oh, the, yeah, thunder the Thunder last Sunday. The Thunder by 10. But you don't need to know the minutia and, and the, the ins and outs of everything in the game to realize that if you don't have perimeter play, if you don't have guys that will stretch the defense, think about this for a second. The Nets don't have a legitimate, consistent three-point threat. Now, it's a bad example, but take the Warriors, okay? They have Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. They have five legitimate three-point threats. And Draymond Green, mainly on the floor, all at the same time. So what does that do for Harrison Barnes and Andrew Bogut? What does that do? Makes them incredible. It opens up the middle. It opens up the paint. Brooke, think about what Brooke Lopez is doing on a night-in, night-out basis. I think six double-doubles in a row. Uh, you know, He had 31 against the Mavericks, and I forget what he had against the Pelicans. But And I'm looking that up right now. Brooke had 33. So 31 and then 33. <laughs> the, guy, the guy is doing this. Without guys shooting well from the outside. That just takes it to another level for me. I don't know about what you think. But he's doing do it, yeah, he's doing it with Wayne Larkin, uh, Wayne, Wayne, Larkin, Ellington, Wayne Ellington and Shane, and Shane Larkin, Larkin and, and Donald, Donald Sloan. Sloan and Boyan Bogdanovich, yep. who barely got off the bench the yep. past two games. And Joe Johnson, who is clearly not the same Joe Johnson of, of old. He's not even the Joe Johnson of a year or two ago at this point. No. And he's playing and you know, Fad Young's in the lineup with him and he's pretty good, you know, as we know, but He's doing this with these guys. Imagine what he'd be doing if he, like you said, if he was on a team with some young, dynamic players, a good three-point shooter, even a, a consistent three-point shooter, let alone a good three-point shooter. I mean, Kyle Korver, yeah, somebody like that would, would make just somebody what to he does make even to make a defense, you know, shiver a little bit. You know, have a coach have to game plan around somebody before they come in. I mean, they look at what do you have to do against the Nets? Double Brook, let them beat you outside. Pretty much. Yeah. It's worked 36 times. There, there you go. There, there's your game plan against the Nets. Double Brook. If they beat you outside, they beat you. That's I, it. And, and, and it, it, it kills me that this guy, night in and night out, puts in that effort, and, and he's on a 12-win team. And, you know, it's sad, too, for all the, the hype that Boyan Bogdanovich got and all, all the overseas seasoning and everything we've heard about Bogdanovich forever until he came to the States last year. Uh-huh. And then he was in the starting lineup, and then he was in the bench, and then he's this and that. And he, he's a year and a half into his NBA career, and he looks no better than what the Nets got out of Mirza Toledovic at this point, which is like, you know, in terms of international basketball pedigree, would be like saying the, the, the insert team here has Steph Curry, and all they're getting out of him is what you would expect out of, like, Drew Holiday. Right. I mean, it, that's just what it is. Who's playing out of his pants right now. He is. But Drew on the Holiday. whole, we know what Drew Holiday is. Right. And you're the king of segues once again. You mentioned Mirza. Where does Mirza play now? Phoenix. And what happened in Phoenix? Jeff Hornacek, goodbye, bye All right. So he becomes the fourth coach this year. 
you had McHale first in November, and then in the past three weeks now, three head coaches with McHale are looking for work. Lionel, Blatt, and Hornacek. Lionel, Blatt, Hornacek now. Now, I look back. It's, at, a, it's, a, it's been a bad year for uh, Lakers versus Celtics and the NBA playoff stars yeah, there turned you head go. coaches. There you go. Um, Hornacek started his career as a player where? Phoenix. Phoenix. Ended his career where? Did he end in Utah? Or he ended in Utah. I was going to say, he didn't go back to Phoenix. He played for the Sixers in between. Where did he start his coaching career? Utah. Where did he end it? Phoenix. Phoenix. So he just did the opposite of what he did. Now his time. Did he have a secretary named Lincoln and Lincoln (laughs) Kennedy? (laughs) We need Father Guido Sarducci to break that down. Google that, kids. You will love it. Father Guido Sarducci. Google it, millennials. It's from Saturday Night Live. Father Guido Sarducci. That's G-U-I-D-O. S-A-R-D-U-C-C-I. Um, I even spelled it for you, the Lincoln and Kennedy coincidences, or as he says, the coincidence. <laughs> it's, oh, what a great it's, Yeah, it's pretty funny. Anyway, you do that after you listen to this. But Hornacek becomes the fourth coach to be. And I look back at his first year in Phoenix. You know he won 48 games? They and were, that team didn't make the playoffs. They were a semi-surprise team that year. They weren't supposed to be. Terrible, but they weren't supposed to be 50-win contenders in, in that West, 40, and yet they were. 48 wins. They were the nine. Mm, the yep. Mavericks. They were a game behind the Mavericks. And those 48 wins in the 2012-2013 season would have given Hornacek and the Suns the three seed in the East. Yeah. And he didn't make the playoffs. And, of course, they didn't make the playoffs last mm-hmm. year, and then this year they've lost – 14 straight road games. and it's They've just, been it's beset been by awful. injuries and, and, and yeah. inefficiencies and, and you know, other And Tyson ins. Chandler and Mirza Toledovich were, you know, they yeah. have a great, their backcourt, you know, their backcourt being hurt, uh, Bledsoe and Knight. I mean, there you go right there. Yeah. They've been, like I said, they've been besieged by injuries. And it's not necessarily all Hornacek's fault, but someone has no, to take the fall right. for it. And, like I said, you I'm know, my... Byron Scott still has a job and, and Brett Brown is clearly the, well, you know what? We need a coach, so we might as well not pay yeah, somebody well, why, a lot in right. Philly. Why but... are you going to fire Brett Brown? Yeah. It yeah. makes no sense. And, and the Lakers, I looked this up too. Speaking of, if they had an all-star on every team, I'm pretty sure the Sixers would probably just see if they could get Allen Iverson or Charles Barkley in the game just uh-huh. for the hell of it as opposed to any of their actual players. Uh-huh. Iverson needs to work. Um, but I looked this up, too. The Lakers, because they have nine wins yeah. right now as we tape this. The Sixers have seven. Yeah. So they're two wins better and than the, the Net, Sixers. Them and the Nets are the three worst teams right. in the league. And the Nets have 12. The Timberwolves aren't too far behind either. Yeah. Um, but the last, you know the last time the Lakers had the worst record in the NBA? I'll give you a hint. No, I, I can. I know. I know the answer. Oh, you know? The last time they had the worst record in the NBA was the year before they drafted Magic Johnson. That I'm is, guessing. That is incorrect. No. That is incorrect. Wow. Was it the lockout year? It was 1958. Holy gee. Bobby Sox and Buddy Holly. Whew. 1958. But did they not have the number one? They had the number one. They got Magic Johnson with the number one pick. They didn't have the worst record in the league. Well, I don't trust our research department because it was me. So let me do a little search really quick. I I looked, um, and that was. Well, it's the very possible the I way the to. NBA lottery goes that the Celtics could have had the worst record. And don't we got the number two pick? And don't don't forget I mean, the Magic had the number one pick in back to back years. Yeah, don't forget also that um, this is. 1958, there were eight teams in the league. Yeah. Um, they, had a, they had a worse record than the Rochester Royals and the Fort Wayne Bullets. Yeah, and they were in Minneapolis, by the way. The Syracuse Nationals. All right, so here we go. Or some other ridiculous. Well, was Magic, 80? 79-80. So he came so in as... 79 draft. 
the 79 draft? No, they were 47 and 35. They finished third in, the, in their division. Yeah, they, they went on a run. I mean, they from, let's see, from 1976 until 1992, they were over 500. And yet they had the number one pick in the 1979 NBA draft. There you go. Oh, they obtained the New Orleans Jazz first-round pick in a trade and won a coin flip to beat the Bulls. And magic happened. So, yeah. Mm. So there you go. All right. There's a little history lesson for everybody out there, including us. So, yeah, 1958. Fixing to learn you. 1950 freaking eight. And, you know, this is proof that Kobe, you know, went into the crock pot one minute too long. I mean, I get it. He didn't want to go out with the injury last year. And he wanted his little. But realistically, if they didn't tour. have Kobe, would they have nine wins? Like, I mean, I don't know. You talk about the merits of what the words "most valuable player" mean, and you know, A. Rod won the MVP the year Texas finished dead last, but he hit fifty-four home runs the year before he came to the Yankees. Yeah. So, I mean, they would have went from really bad to excitingly awful without A. Rod. <laughs> Versus, like, is an MVP like you know Anthony Davis? A, a couple years ago when the Pelicans made the playoffs is the eighth seed, and he's kind of the guy that got him there. Is that most valuable? Then you look at the other end of the spectrum, it's like, well, without Kobe, would they be legit challenging for the worst record in NBA history? I mean, the Sixers are still close. Yeah. With seven, and, with seven wins. I mean, they're getting back. I mean, they almost came back and beat the Warriors, and they were down by that was crazy. 16. That was so. crazy. And I mean, they're, they're, chal- they're still got a chance to challenge their own 9 and 73 futility mark, but. Sorry, they were down 13. But man. With six minutes left, and they almost beat them. They were tied at 105 before Harrison Barnes hit a three, for crying out loud. Is there anybody on that team who doesn't hit threes? Oh, Bogut. Maybe. No. Um, Yeah. So, Sean Livingston was was drilling threes against the Knicks yesterday. Speaking of guys that have been better backup point guards than any point guard on the Nets roster. Everyone they've ever had. And king of the segue again, speaking of MVPs, you know, there was some discussion about who the MVP of the NFL is this year. I think we've covered that Let, it should be Cam Newton. Let's stop the discussion. Yeah. It's Cam. Tom Brady, you want, does Tom Brady, does he have 10 rushing touchdowns? No. Can, can he, is he a physical specimen like Cam Newton? Enough already. It's Cam Newton. And I want to amend something that we talked about on this show on Friday uh, when it came to Cam. You know, I, I completely agreed with what he said. Now he's retracted a little bit of what he said. That's not what he meant. Mm-hmm. I don't course. think he had to do that. I don't think he had to apologize because I, I think he was right on. Uh, but here's, here's my amendment to what I was talking about on Friday. We are in a time where, A, obviously there should be no racism and people shouldn't be scared of an African-American quarterback being as successful and, you know, the histrionics on the field. I'm not going to go back into all that stuff. But here's the other thing. This is the B to my A. We should not be racist. However, perfect example is my dad. I talked to him yesterday, and he broke it down perfectly. He said, Chris, I like him as a player, but I can't stand what he does on the field. That's not how I was brought up. I was brought up to hand the ball to the official, to walk away, to not show up the other team. So... You should be able to dislike Newton's antics and not be considered a racist. Just like you should be able to disagree 
with President Obama's policies and not be considered a racist. Just because you disagree with something the president does or just because you disagree with the flair that Cam Newton plays the game of football with doesn't automatically make you a racist. But that doesn't mean that there are some people out there still who are ass backwards in their way of thinking and are racist and can't stand the fact that a black quarterback is doing what he does in 20 freaking 16. It's the histrionics. Oh, and he's black. That's the, those exactly. people's thinking, and it's not exactly it's not good. He, it's a different culture. I mean, do we really have to break that? But you down? know what? Just that conversation you had with you and your dad it could be the same conversation you and I have had about bat flips. I mean, it's just the way. Right. right. It's and, different generational thoughts. And my dad hates that too. Right. And guess what? That's how I was brought up. So people getting right. in my face about oh you should. I don't want to hear it. Right. I'm not going to change just because I have to conform to what you – see, that's the problem with our society today. Unless you conform to what everybody else thinks, you're an idiot. Your opinion, if it doesn't meet the court of public opinion, you're an outcast. You're ostracized. That is horse pucky, ladies and gentlemen. That's why opinions are unique. Everybody has them. Mine doesn't have to be right, but it's my freaking opinion. I hate bat flips. I hate an opposing player in baseball, a sport that I have based my life on, that I still play to this day. I'm not, I pitch. I'm not going to show up a pitcher when I'm up at bat. Normally I can't because I can't hit anymore, and I'll be completely honest, but I pitch. I know how it is, and for the most part, in my league, it's 28 and over, and this year I'm graduating to the 35 and over league. No one does that crap because everybody knows we play once a week. We have to go to work the next day, and everybody's just out there having fun for the most part. You you might get one or two bad apples here and there, but nobody's flipping their bat because everybody in my league respects the game and respects the guys that play it. We shake hands after every game. Some of us hang out. We have beers together. Am I allowed to say we have beers? Yeah. Okay. You're over 21. That's true. We have beers together. We hang out, we talk, we talk about our families. There's a guy that plays on the Mariners up here in Connecticut. He goes down to Puerto Rico and he plays every season. Rob Ayala, he follows me on Twitter. We talk back and forth during baseball all the time. He is a monster and he can hit the ball a ton. And trust me when I tell you, he has against me and he has never showed me up. Never. He has hit one into another zip code and he runs around the bases like he just hit a ground ball between short and third. Why? Because he respects me, and he respects the damn game. There you go. Okay. And that's the way I was brought up. If Glenn Giangrandi wants bat flips every freaking inning, that's not the Major League Baseball that I want to be a part of. I'm sorry. And I'm not going to change just because, you know, 80 to 90% of people out there want bat flips. Right, because that's his opinion as well, and both of your opinions. Right. Despite whether the fact if one's right, one's wrong, neither, whatever. Doesn't matter. Should both be accepted. Like, he went at me on Twitter over and over and over again, and I just finally said to him, gee, it's how I feel. You're not going to sway me. You're not going to change who I am. You know, the, then he, baseball needs it. Well, if baseball needs that to stay popular, then I don't want to be a part of baseball. Seriously, because it's stupid. I think it's absolutely stupid. And I know somebody, Valencia, uh, tweeted at me and said Mickey Mantle flipped his bat. And you know what? 
back then, they probably talked smack when they came up to the plate. And I wouldn't put a pat. If a pitcher does something, if a pitcher does something to piss off a hitter, and then the hitter flips the bat, and then, you know, I find, I find out about it after the fact, by all means, if somebody's going to do that and then you beat him, fine. Me, myself, I was brought up. I was taught by my father who played the game, semi-pro, had tryouts with the Braves, the Cardinals, the Yankees, and the Mets. The way he played the game, that's how I was brought up, and that's how I will always be. And I'm not the only one in my camp. I know I might be in the minority, but I'm not going to switch to the majority just to be the cool kid. Sorry, not happening. Again, we can have differing opinions on it, but A, that makes for good podcast, and B, it's your opinion versus right. my opinion. They're both... They should both be accepted whether but or not But I'm not going to get on your case. Right. I'm not going to think any less of you because right. you like it. Right. Exactly. But as long as you respect my opinion, yeah. I respect yours. That's how right. it should be. Right. And we can, we, we can talk about, you know, on, on other segues, too. One of the other things we talked about last week uh, on the second podcast was the All-Star Games and the mania behind them and respect for the game. Yeah. You want to talk about things like right. that. Again, we can go back to what happened this weekend. You admitted you watched the first drive of the right, Pro Bowl. Before we started taping. I, I watched part of it because um, a good friend of mine's wife is, is due with their second child. Nice. In a couple weeks. Congratulations. She had a, she had a second baby shower. My Sweet. wife went. So him and I and a couple of the so other husbands hung went. Right. We went. We went to the bar. We had dinner. We watched, you know, watched a little bit of the Pro Bowl, hung out, blah, blah, blah. And the rules are just so, like, there's... You know they have two minute warnings it's, in every quarter, and it's, it's you can't rush, you can't blitz. It's like it's unwatchable. It you know, really is. A, a linebackers coach from the Packers is coaching one. It, it's just it yes. is whatever. Yes. But prior to that was the NHL All Star Game, and I have to say we did watch a little bit of that too because it was on. You know the end of it was on as we were going out, mm-hmm. and it looked like a lot of fun. It did, which is kind of the idea. I, I have to be honest. You know, I was kind of down on it, yeah. and then I saw it, and, and it looked I liked like a it. lot of fun. Yeah. And it, which is kind of the idea. And and of all things, John Scott, the guy who had the yeah. biggest ballyhoo of all, <laughs> the MVP, scores in both of the games. He's the MVP. Yeah. And like that's the that's the moment where if he just had fulfilled all his career wishes, you wish he would have just got up there and when he accepted the MVP for, trophy from Bettman. He did, and I know you're not going to get the reference, but any wrestling fan out there will get the reference. You kind of wish he Shane Douglas the trophy, threw it down and said, screw you, I'm out, when, when ECW became ECW back in the day and Shane Douglas threw down the NWA title belt. You kind of wish he had done that and maybe like just punched Bettman in the head <laughs> and skated off the ice never to be seen again. Like, you know what? F you. Well, this per- this is right in your face. Uh, he was with the Coyotes. He got traded to the Canadians. And then so demoted he went from to St. John. The, right. He went from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference. The fans voted him in. Then the Canadians sent him to the AHL, which you just said. Again, multiple attempts to circumvent the rules of the All-Star Game to keep him out. The NHL and the Coyotes asked him to bow out. Yep. And then when the fans, you know, this is what happens when you open up the fans to a vote. This is the kind of stuff that right. happens. This is what we talked about last yeah. week. However, in this case, inviting him back and making him a captain was a win for the NHL. Their ratings are up. Now, look, it was still, I think it was a 1.7 on NBC Sports Network. But that's up 24% from last year in Columbus. Yeah. 24%. That's a win for the freaking NHL. Yeah. And you know what? I, I got to be honest. I sat there. I watched the, um, the Metro against the Atlantic. 
It was fun. The one thing, the one rule I would amend, and I don't know if they were doing it because they weren't calling offsides. Because Subban came in offsides, and I was like, hey, he was offside. So maybe the offsides are turned off like we used to do in <laughs> NHL 94. The Kings are a finesse team. <laughs> yeah, I went undefeated and won the cup. Yeah, with the offsides off. Swingers? Yes. So anyway, I, I, yeah, I, I have to – look, I, I've eaten crow a lot in my professional life when it comes to predicting sports and talking about stuff on this podcast. But I'm one of the few people that will come on and admit that I was wrong. Mm -hmm. And that NHL All-Star game, I was yeah. wrong. You know, it, like, it was fun. Like we all said, it looked like fun, and that's the idea. Whereas the Pro Bowl, on the other hand, just looked like a bunch of guys getting a free vacation to Hawaii and, <laughs> you know, and mailing it in for ESPN ratings. And John Gruden in a in a lovely Tommy Bahama shirt clashing against the backdrop of the ESPN booth. But, uh, yeah. you know, like, I, it, the Pro Bowl is one weird thing because it's at the end of the year. And they, they changed it from the week after the Super Bowl to the week before and changed the rules and this and that. And Teddy Bridgewater, who had 12 touchdowns and nine interceptions, was, was a cute quarterback in the Pro Bowl. I'm not really sure why Blaine Gabbert wasn't next in line considering he did just as well. But I, wh why not? You know, we have all this talk about players during the season and attrition and this and that. Why not try something really radical one year with the Pro Bowl? The next time the that football CBA comes up. Uh-huh. Week 9 or 10, halfway through the season or a little bit more, is usually roughly around early to mid-November, right? Yeah. So why not just go with after week 9? There's no no more bye weeks in the NFL. After week nine, everybody gets a week off. Mm -hmm. Just it's it's a dark week for football. It's right around the beginning of, of basketball season two, which so a mid good. a mid autumn classic, a mid autumn classic, and then you have the Pro Bowl on a Thursday night in November, late autumn on classic. CBS, yeah, or Fox or ESPN or wherever. But do it on a Thursday night so teams have had. A full week off, and the Pro Bowl players get, you know, a few days to, to practice. They play on a Thursday night. And then the next Thursday is Thanksgiving, and you restart the NFL schedule then. So really you have one, two-ish weeks off, and then you restart on Thanksgiving, and you have the final six, seven, eight weeks of the season into December and January, and then have the Super Bowl on President's Day weekend. You would garner an even bigger rating than the monster rating the Super Bowl gets if people knew they didn't have to necessarily go to work the next day. The biggest red flag that comes to mind when you, when you said that to me is, I, although I like the idea, I do, because it gets out the nonsense halfway through. Everybody gets a break. Everybody's off for a week except the guys who make it. And uh, the only thing I could see as being a big no-no with the uh, Players Association is, and, and the owners as well, is a guy going to the Pro Bowl who's having a Pro Bowl year, obviously, and tears an ACL. But the or, chances of that happening in the NBA All-Star Game, the I, NHL All-Star Game. I get it. Bobby Abreu winning the home run derby and I, then never hitting a home run again. I, that happens. I, I get it. But, I mean, I, that would be the one thing. I can't think of anything else of why not to do it. Because it's garbage. Yeah. It's absolute, utter garbage. How about we do this? How about halfway through the season, we give everybody a week off. Uh... We or even shut down yeah. Times Square, pick a half-season MVP from the AFC and the NFC, shut down Times Square. Have the mud wrestle? And have them play Madden on the big screen in Times Square. I'd rather see that than the garbage that's out there. Yeah. Nobody gets hurt. <laughs> 
Everybody wins. Unless unless they're playing like Madden '96, the one with the ambulance. Yeah, that you got you got to do that. Just just for you can make super fan number ninety nine over there happy, well, and you have to keep the desnudas away. And yeah, uh, yeah. But you know, it, there's just a lot of things. It's it's weird that theirs is the only quasi postseason all star game. I mean, the NHL doesn't even do an all star game the years of the Olympics because right. their players go to the Olympics. Right. So, isn't there a, a World Hockey Classic this year too? Wasn't there supposed to be a World Hockey Classic in in? in Canada. There was supposed to be. I think the junior championships happened. I know they did, but, but I don't. I don't know yeah. if that actually happened right. or not. Hey, anywho, you know what? Anything they can do to draw a rating, like like you know, as I said last week too, the NBA All Star games in a couple weeks. I might watch a little bit of the skills competitions. Uh-huh. Couldn't care less about the yeah. game. It's going to be how many alley oops can LeBron throw down? Right. And, it, well, the Warriors you know. are pretty much an All Star game every time they take. <laughs> I mean, the court. you know, traveling traveling in the NBA is now eight steps during the All Star game. You don't even have to dribble. So did, did you? I mean, yeah. yeah. Did you see? And they, they they used to get on Pat for walking. They they made that whole ESPN commercial about Patrick Ewing. Yeah. Don't walk, yeah. like we are the world. And now everybody freaking walks. But did you see the weave that Golden State ran against the Knicks yesterday? Yeah. Oh my god. I, I'm pretty sure, like, somebody, I forget who said it, but they said, I'm pretty sure the Harlem Globetrotters run that offense. The Globetrotters were on last night, as a matter of fact, too, at the same time as oh my they God. were on. There, there was, I think South Carolina, Texas A&M was on women's basketball on ESPN, and then the Globetrotters were on after that while the Pro Bowl was on the, the actual ESPN. Buying NBA TV, the package, is worth it if you could see the Warriors every yeah. freaking night. I mean, them and the Spurs, even though they torched the Spurs in the first meeting they had, I think it was last week or a week and a half ago. They beat them by 30. I mean, let's be honest. They beat, I'd, they I'd beat the Bulls, they beat the Spurs, and they beat uh, Cleveland all by 30 or more. We talk about prop bets for the Super Bowl and all that, and we can talk Mike about Carrick. that next week. Yeah. How many there times is a will prop Mike Carey be wrong? But there is a prop bet. Will Mike Carey get a call wrong? And it's plus 110 yes, plus one, or minus 180 no. Well, that's because it's going to be – That's all the money is going to be on yes. Yes, exactly. Um. Because Mike, Mike Carey wouldn't know a correct call if it was this is the correct call. Oh, my God. Anyway. I, I, I want to go back to Mike Carey after your point. Okay. And then, and then we'll wrap it up for the week. Right. We'll save, save the prop bet stuff for next week. Yeah, that's – Or for Thursday, Thursday, I should say. Yeah. But I would just love to see a line in Vegas of what, what will be the higher number, Warriors losses or Sixers wins. Because you've got to figure <laughs> a lot of the action will be on Sixers wins, but you never know. You never know what uh, could happen. That's a fair point. Anyway, go ahead with that's your, your Mike point. Carey point. But Mike Carey, CBS put out this – um, press release saying he's he's taking too much abuse and it was like it was a because twi- he he Twitter like hashtags his I mean it goes nuts there's a couple of people here <laughs> I tend to jump on the bandwagon too as it goes but um, wh- and we talked about this during one of the Nets pre-production uh, meetings that we had last week why doesn't CBS wake up and bring Mike Carey in after the call is made and then say this is why it was overturned why was it up. overturned why was it held up so provide analysis as opposed to just be a talking head because you can't have your play by play guy and Jim Nance correct you as the head of officiating yeah. live on the air they they that had, can't happen the one of the parts of the pro bowl i did see was Derek, don't they get that Derek Carr threw what was 
originally ruled a touchdown pass to Odell Beckham, and they had to review it because Beckham ended up like he hit the ground, and we were laughing. He's like, well, he he didn't become a runner, even though he took eight steps in the end zone, but he fell to the ground because, uh, you know. He didn't complete it's, the process. It's slightly more confusing than a game of Jumanji, the NFL rulebook. And, and, and then they show a shot of Dean Blandino, and he's, like, hiding in the corner behind the, like, Microsoft Surface. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you be? Behind the Microsoft Surface tablet area. And they sending us any money? No. All right. iPad. Uh, he's like hiding in the corner, like like the Hamburglar who just ripped off a dozen burgers from Ronald McDonald. Like, <laughs> like, and here he is, folks, the most disliked man in professional yeah. sports, Dean Blandino, and he just perfectly played the role of this guy, just like hiding over by the wall. Like, oh God, don't ask me. Like, it's just, it's, it's it's sad. He's Frank Drebin with a megaphone. Please disperse. Nothing to see here. Keep moving. <sighs> One more thing before we wrap it up. Uh, we did talk about uh, NWA making the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I just saw – I was sick last week, big time. And when you're laid up, you get to watch movies. Uh, and I watched um, Straight Outta Compton, and I give it two enthusiastic thumbs up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw it I yet, did. I saw it in the theaters. I, I saw it at home. It was tremendous. It was absolutely yep. tremendous. They take you through it, – you know, I just thought it was going to be the rise – but they take you through everything. The rise of the fall all the way through his yeah. death. Yeah. They, they take you through everything. And the Cube's son, who, who plays him, phenomenal. Uh, everybody who they – Ren, Dre, Easy, Yella. Cube, Yella, everybody they had that played those characters, spot on. In my eyes, they were spot on. And I thought the movie was extremely well done. If you want a, a fun thought of, of – how things come together, and you know, you look at Ice Cube now as a major major media mogul. What doesn't, movie star what, what doesn't, doesn't he, he do? do? Um, just go back and, and look at you know when when there's a re-air of his Center Stage, which premiered a couple weeks yeah. ago here. Uh, the segment where he talks about Boys in the Hood uh-huh. and how it went from like John Singleton was like a PA at like this yeah. whatever. He's like, I got this movie, and Cube's like, Yeah, yeah, whatever. And then like all this time later, it becomes a movie. He's like, Wait a minute, that was you? And then he reads the script and like. Ice Cube is Doughboy. Yeah. Like, you, you can't imagine, like, yeah. you know, you, you may picture, I'll imagine if this guy played this role or whatever. Like, I can't imagine anyone other than Ice Cube playing, and Cuba Gooding Jr. on the other side yes. playing Try. And I remember a story that I think Cuba Gooding Jr. told, one of the, one, one of the late night talk shows, when, when the movie was actually out, that's how old I am. But he was talking about it, and he said Singleton was like this, you know, you said he was a PA, and then he's directing this movie. Such a forward thinker. He had them in a car, and it's a scene where the shots ring out, mm-hmm. and it looks like all of them had a heart attack. It's because they didn't know. Singleton didn't tell him he was going to do that. He wanted to get their natural reaction. Yeah. And Gooding said, he got it. <laughs> he got it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, just, Domino. What you say about that? If, if you have a chance uh, to see Straight Outta Compton, do yourself a favor. And speaking and of do it. bringing it back around to Frank Drabin and O.J., Cuba Gooding Jr. will be playing O.J. Simpson in um, the first season of American Crime Story, The People vs. O.J. Simpson on FX. I believe it's, it's FX or FX. See, it just One doesn't end. Which is a little corporate synergy because we are owned by Fox. See, but still, it's, it's, the, uh, it premieres tomorrow night. The more you keep opening your mouth, the more I have to say, and I know you want to wrap this up, but one more thing, I guess, uh, unless you say something else that I want to <laughs> piggyback on. The doctor from the concussion movie that Will Smith portrayed, I, I don't know his name. I apologize for that. But he said he would bet his medical license on O.J. Simpson having CTE. 
which is all well and good, but a lot of the people that do stupid things like that, and let's not get in trouble, he allegedly yeah, uh, killed. We know, we know OJ's story. And he got acquitted. We all know. Yeah. But if he did, in fact, do that, um, usually in those situations with guys with CTE, the guys with it usually end up dead as well. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. That, that He could. I mean, sh- I don't know. This show has, like, an incredible, you know, John Travolta is in it and uh, and Cuba Gooding David Jr. Schwimmer. David Schwimmer plays uh, Kardashian. Yes. And it's, Here, just, it, it's amazing. It, it, one more thing. I promise this is it, and then I'll let you go. Unless you have something. I'm not going to cut you off. No. But if you want to embody – now, my, my older brother and I, we watched pretty much – I was in college, so any – chance I had. It was on court TV. It basically put court TV. My, my dad was retired. On the map. My dad had just retired right. and w- watched the entirety of the thing. We like, on the watched couch. everything. Okay. Yeah. So we were pretty much jurors in the trial. Um, and the prosecution, let's be honest, they screwed up. But if you want to get like the trial in a nutshell, when the, and you could Google this, you could find it on YouTube because it's there. If you know who Robert Kardashian is, uh, he is Kim Kardashian's father, by the way. It's not Bruce mm-hmm. Jenner, who is now Caitlyn Jenner. It is Robert Kardashian who, who passed away. Um, his reaction when they say not guilty is amazing. It's amazing. like that, oh, my God, we did it reaction. It's like, are you kidding me? And if you don't believe me, go to YouTube, OJ Verdict Red. Watch his face. And, and I don't know if F. Lee Bailey's still around, but Johnny Cochran's dead. Kardashian is dead. F. Lee Bailey is still alive. He's like 80, but is he's, he really? he's still he's alive. Is he really? He's still yeah. alive? So F. Lee Bailey is the only one that's still alive from his dream team? I think so. Wow. But Marsha Clark and Chris Darden, uh, my God. I mean, L- listen, I, just oof. listen to, listen to this. Listen to this cast, okay? I, I just. Yeah, go ahead. This is a 10, ep- this is a 10 episode miniseries. Uh huh. Okay, and I know Lady Gaga was in American Horror Story, and they've right. gotten sort of, Cuba Gooding Jr. as OJ is good enough to carry it just in terms of He's an power. Oscar winner. John Travolta is Bob Shapiro. Okay. David Schwimmer is Robert Kardashian. Mm-hmm. Courtney B. Vance is Johnny Cochran. Oh, I forgot about Bob Shapiro. Who, you know, you, you may know Courtney B. Vance from many, 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 many things, including being on Law & Order. Right. One of the Law & Order right, right, right. Nathan Lane is F. Lee Bailey, of all crazy stars. Wow. Yeah. Jordana Brewster, who you may remember as the really hot chick from the Fast and the Furious movies, plays Denise Brown. Never saw one of them, but okay. A.K.A. Nicole Brown's mother. Okay. Uh, Selma Blair from, uh, from Cruel Intentions fame. I do know um, her. Yes, I do know her. She's, she plays Chris Kardashian, Jenner, whatever her last who, name is. Who plays, uh, what's his face, Cato? Uh, Billy Magnuson plays Cato Kalen. Who's Billy Magnuson? Billy Magnuson's uh, filmography is very limited. He's in a lot of random movies, and he's like a Broadway. Um, he's a Broadway actor. Can you imagine Twitter? But he does look. The OJ he trial. does look like Brian Kalen. I mean, he's does bear a resemblance. Yes. Can you imagine Twitter during that trial? No. I, I think it would have exploded. I really do. Howling and the Bronco. Yeah, I mean... And, and it was during the Knicks Rockets. The Knicks were finally in the finals. Here I am watching the game, and they're breaking in. They're doing, like, the split screen with Costas. Look, OJ's in the Bronco, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, uh, could I watch my team in the finals for the first time in my life? Thank you very much. Cheryl Ladd 
is in, is in this really? miniseries. I used to have a poster. She, she plays Lad. she plays Bob Shapiro's wife. Swing. Um, Rob Morrow is in it from Northern Exposure fame and, yes. and all that. Uh-huh. And quite possibly the mic drop awesome casting moment of all time. Al Cowlings is played by Malcolm Jamal Warner. Theo no. Huxtable Come is on. Al Cowlings. Really? Well, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. I I I'm, I I have already DVR this. I am looking forward to it because again, like I said, when does I, it start? It starts tomorrow night, ten o'clock on Fox. I believe, FX. Oh, I FX. Okay. It's either FX or FXX. I forget which, but it, it's on one of the. I'm two. in. I, I wish, I wish my dad was still alive, just for the sole fact that knowing how he watched that entire, really that entire. I mean, like I said, my dad put in his twenty five years on the railroad uh-huh. and retired in nineteen ninety four, uh-huh. like in the middle of ninety four, was fresh as a stay at home dad. I was in high school at the time, yeah. but, you know, for lack of a better word, and watched literally, like you said, the entirety of the trial yeah. at Pocor TV. Well, you could, that. right. And now, like, I would love to see what he would say watching this. Could have got him on the podcast. <laughs> that would have been something. There would have been a lot of coughing, so we would have had to, like, That's edit okay. out a lot of stuff. That's but, all you know. right. But, and let's face it, let's be honest, too, about your dad. 25 years at the railroad, he deserves to retire. <laughs> that guy worked for a living. Yeah. This he was an electrician. What so, I'm yeah. doing, I I don't work. Yeah, loose father. Many nights, many nights, the phone rang at three o'clock in the morning. You know, a, yeah. a gates down. You're at always a, on at call. an grade crossing, right. in, you know, somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Got to go fix it so people can drive through in yeah. a snowstorm. This you're night. an electrician. You're a doctor. You're a doctor of electricity. You're always on call. Yeah. Uh, an auto mechanic, always on call. I don't know. Well, God rest your father's yeah. soul. It'd be interesting to see if you absolutely to hear him watch it. But and. Uh, so, I mean, look at this. We've almost done a magic hour. I know. Just talking about that. I, I just can't stop talking for some reason That's today. Right. It must be the five-hour energy. i got to cut down well, on Well, it's this. all right. On Thursday, we'll have, uh, we'll have the Pro Bowl to talk about. We, or not the Pro Bowl. The Super Bowl. I'm Super sorry. Bowl, yes. We can talk about, you know, we'll do some prop bet, uh, some, look at some interesting prop bets for those of you who are into that Oh, that'll get thing. us. That'll get us through. We'll also um, do uh, the sports questions again. Yeah. And, you know, Media Day is tomorrow, Tuesday. So yeah. anything that happens funky on Media Day, and you know it always does. Um, and yeah, then we're two about weeks from pitchers and catchers when we reconvene. Oof. When are you going to Tampa? March 9th. So okay. I'll be there the I'll be there the week before St. Patrick's Day. Okay. Covering four games, I believe, in five days. And well, I think all right. We're only, we're only televising two, so. So you come back what day? Uh, the following Monday. The following mm-hmm. Monday. So that Tuesday. We will sit here and have an all-Yankees spring training podcast with Lou yep. DePietro. And you'll be fresh back from uh, the end of the Nets West Coast. Correct. The, and end of the circus trip. Correct. I am doing the Minneapolis game uh, against the Timberwolves for Sarah Kustak. And I am also filling in for her. That's the 5th. And then on the 8th, I will be in Toronto. Yep. And then I'm going the 9th through the 14th. So we'll be off for a good two weeks at that point. With you in Minneapolis right. and Toronto. I come, I come back, and then you go away. I right. could call in, though. Well, you'll be going around the weekend, the 5th through, through the 8th. You'll be going around the Flying weekend. Flying out so. Friday, uh, and then I'm pretty sure they'll fly back before they go to Toronto. So Thursday, so Thursday, March 4th to Tuesday, the 15th, we'll be off for a week and change right. there. But and don't then... worry, because once Lou comes back, you're going to get all the Yankee information you could uh, we'll ever want. a lot to talk about. Yes, absolutely. And I will chip in here and there. And speaking, of, speaking of our good buddy Matt, last thing before we go, uh-huh. had tweeted at me uh, the other day the, the video of Sarah uh, taking on Stefan Bondi in a game of yes. one-on-one a couple years Schooled ago. Schooled him, yeah. And, you know, I know a lot of people – don't necessarily know this about Sarah, but she is one of the 
most proficient three-point shooters in the history of the DePaul Lady Blue yes. Demons basketball yes, program. she so, is a icon in that gym. Sarah's not just a fantastic basketball reporter. She was a fantastic basketball player. Well, you'll know the difference when I fill in for her. I mean, when she asks the questions at the end of the game, they are very, you know, it's that minutia. It's basketball-centric. Mm-hmm. She knows the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually put her on, and I thought it was tremendous. Um, I don't. I think it was the Thunder game, uh, but it was Ian Spinarkle. And Sarah actually was the third person in the booth. And she was great. She was breaking down plays on, on the Telestrator. There's no reason why she can't be doing that in the NBA for a team. No reason. No, Sarah, I, so, like you said, Sarah was a fantastic basketball player at DePaul and is a fantastic wealth of basketball And she's a fantastic so. human being as well. And we got to see a lot of her as well because DePaul and UConn, that was right when they joined the Big East. Yep. So saw a lot of her against, you know, against the Lady Huskies who are the number one program in America for the umpteenth year running. Yeah. Now. You know, so you get to see a lot of her on Big East Television Network. Back All right. In, back in the day. Yep. That's going to wrap it up. For Lou, I'm Chris. We'll see you on Thursday? Thursday. Thursday for another Chris Sheeran Show Happy Fun Time Hour. Bye.